1956, years, many years before I was born, John Wayne starred in a movie. It was one of the greatest and most influential films ever made. The United States Library of Congress in 1989 deemed this movie culturally, historically, and aesthetically uh, significant. It's called The Searchers. And the poster that was promoting this film in 1956, the posters had a few images in the background and the big letters on the poster, he had to find her. He had to find her. That was the whole point of this movie. Of course, the title gives it away, The Searchers, and that's what they did. They went looking for two of their, uh, uh, two of his nieces that were kidnapped and he found them, but he had to look. <laughs> now, I want us to think just for a moment about this idea of searching, seeking someone, some entity that's even more important than family member. Oh, it was important to find these nieces. It was important to this movie to find Debbie and, and to rescue her from her kidnappers. But there's something even more important. Seeking God. We're promised in the scripture, if you seek me, you will find me. That's the promise. And we're also told in the scripture that he's not far from any one of us. And in him we live and move and have our being. This entity, this supreme being, he's there. And the question then becomes, how do I find him? And like this movie, this John Wayne movie, you have to start looking. <laughs> the only way he found her was he went looking for her. That's what we're tasked with. So what do I do? Well, Jesus would say something like this. Keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. Look for me. And there's ways to do that. And I want us to discover those today. First of all, we have to recognize the fact that God does exist. Secondly, he cares. And thirdly, he has spoken. And if we have that in the back of our mind, if we begin with that premise, we say he does exist, he cares, and he has spoken, then I need to look around and say, okay, how do I go about finding him? Is there a way? Well, we can begin with what we can see. God has created us with uh, the, the ability to see things around us, to analyze those things, to look at things and make decisions based on what we see, based on the evidence that's uh, in our own eyes. We look at a, at a sunset. We look at a sunrise. We look at birds flying through the air. We look at trees growing. We look at crops in the field. And there's something about all of that that says to us, hmm, there's something bigger than I am. There's something smarter than I am. Something exists outside of myself that can cause all this to happen. What is that? Or better yet, who is that? And we look into nature and we begin to see things that there's only one explanation. There's only one explanation that it screams, it cries out. There's a supreme intelligence. There's a supreme being. There's a God. 
an ancient philosopher once said, can one behold heaven and contemplate what passes there without discerning with all possible evidence that it is governed by supreme intelligence? Well, that's a rhetorical question. That means the question answers itself. We can look at all this nature and it leads to one conclusion. There is a God. And he is capable of creating everything that we see. How do we know there's a God? The psalmist would say the heavens declare the glory, the expanse. Uh, it gives us this information. They display his craftsmanship. We look into the, the night sky. We look at all those stars. We, we begin to count them. We say, well, there's at least 3,000. <laughs> 3,000? Yeah, there's at least 3 billion. No, we can't even... We can't even number them. There's no number available. We go back to Genesis 1, verse 11. It says, and he made the stars. So, sort of an afterthought in Genesis 1. You would think that'd make a big headline in Genesis chapter 1 in this creation narrative. The stars, he knows them by name. And yet Moses just says, and he made the stars. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the Expanse displays craftsmanship. We can look at cause and effect. We look at the universe and we say, why is it so big? Well, in Psalm 19, we're just given an answer. The expanse, the, the massive size of it, it displays God's craftsmanship. That's why. What a great reason. That's the God that we're looking for. And if, if he can cause that to happen, I should probably find him. I should probably find out what he wants from me. And I look around in nature and I also see some very interesting things. I see design at every level. We've been looking at the sky and the, the night sky with the stars, but we can look at nature like we mentioned before, the trees and the birds and all the things that are part of this creation, we can look at a molecular level at our bodies and say, look at all these. This design is, is fascinating. There must be a designer. Yep, there's a designer. We can know he exists. And when we understand that, when we start to realize that, then the question is, comes to us and says, how do I have a relationship with him? Well, we have relationships with lots of people. So let's look at how that happens. How do you begin a relationship with anyone? Maybe it's a message on Messenger. <laughs> that worked for me. <laughs> Maybe it's a text or a phone call. Maybe, I don't know, this used to happen all the time. We used to actually talk to people face-to-face. -face. Yep, communication. That's how it begins. And so we look to the scripture and we say, well, where can I find God? What, how can I begin this relationship? Basically, God created you to have a relationship with you. And how do you begin a relationship with anyone? You begin speaking to them. And so God says, talk to me. The Bible calls it prayer. You may say, well, I don't know how to pray. Okay, that's all right. How do you talk to people? That's how you pray. 
you begin by asking them. You begin by telling them. You, been, you, you begin by introducing yourself. You, you begin with the very basics. With any relationship, that's where it starts. God says, I created you to save you. I want a relationship with you. And that's how it begins. You begin by speaking to him. Then I pray to you, O Lord, hear my cry. I'm very low. Rescue me. And what's beautiful about our relationship with God as it begins, he responds. He does hear us. He does want this relationship. We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Anytime we talk to him, he answers. Sometimes the answer is my, my least favorite is wait. You know, we're very impatient people. But sometimes he says, yes. We ask him for something. He says, yes. Thank you. That should be a response. Sometimes he knows better and he says, no, no, no. Shuts that door. But remember, it's a door. It opens again. <laughs> but the one we dislike, the one I dislike the most, is the one that says, wait. But... We're confident that he hears us. And we can also find God by just looking at the communication that he's given us. He speaks to us in a written document. We've called it the Holy Bible. Yeah, that's what we call it. And we look at this book and we say, how is it even here? How does this book even exist? Who are the authors who wrote this? Well, God ultimately is the author, but it's interesting to think about 40 different men over a period of 1,600 years wrote this document. And what's even more fascinating, there's not one mistake in it. Oh, it's not a science book, but when it speaks about science, it's exactly right. It's not a history book, but when it speaks about history, it's exactly right. In fact, every time it speaks about anything, it's exactly right. Every time. We may not have all the information, but the Bible is exactly accurate. Every time. How good is the Bible? The scripture says, the instruction of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It's more desirable than gold. How much gold do you have? How much gold do you want? <laughs> hmm. You see, we have that desire. But the scripture says we should have that desire for that communication from God. Remember, we're, we're developing a relationship with him. We're looking for him. And we've begun, we've begun by speaking to him in awkward prayers and we don't know how to say it and we really are confused and we just begin just speaking what's on our heart, what's on our mind. We, we bring our cares and concerns to him. We're, we're worried about something. We're looking forward to something. We're rejoicing about something. We just start talking to him. And he responds and he says, my steadfast love is forever. Hmm. See, the Bible can help you 
in your search for God. The Bible can help you find him. It speaks with how God deals with people. In the past, this is how God dealt with people. Therefore, in the future, this is how God will deal with people. <laughs> we can rest assured he's, he's shown us this information, given us this information, and he says, my word is a lamp to your feet. It's a light for your path. It will guide you in the way that you need to go. In our homes, in the places that we reside, the places that we live, we all have these switches on the wall and they control lights in the room. Why do we have lights in the room? Well, when it gets dark, it's pretty handy. You'd be stumbling around in the dark, we can't see. You trip over something and at my age, it could be very dangerous. <laughs> Falling down can be very dangerous. I can't get up. Oh, God says, I know. I don't want you stumbling around in the dark. I want you to be well lit. I want you to be in a room that's well lit. I want you to walk in the light. See, this is perfect guidance. And we find it in God's word. And not only that, we have the information given to us that tells us what God is pleased with and what displeases him. There are many in today's world that will make claims about things that are evil, and they'll claim that they're good. They'll say things that are good, and they'll claim that they're evil. How do we know the difference? Is there such a thing as good and evil? Is it just every man for himself? Is it just if it's good for you? That's what the world wants us to believe. Book of Isaiah, prophet from 700 years before Christ, he says, woe to the man who calls good evil and evil good. Whoa. So how do we know the difference? Is there a map? Is there a road map to find out? In our era, we have Google Maps. What a relief. <laughs> you want to find where you're going? You just punch the address in your phone and away you go. I don't particularly care for it because it's only like a three-inch section of the map. And it doesn't help me because it just is one little blue line and it just... I want to see the big picture. I want to see it like on the whole side of the wall. I want to see the whole map. My kids give me a hard time for having an atlas in the car. They go, what's that? I go, it's a map. It helps me get to point from point A to point B. God says, I've given you the map. I've given you the instructions. I've given you the information you need. Here's what pleases me. Here's what displeases me. And I need you to recognize the difference. When we understand that God's given us this information, then we start to see there's something about God that he cares about me. He loves me. How is that even possible? Doesn't he know what I've done in the past? Doesn't he understand 
how sinful I've become? Doesn't he understand that I don't deserve it? Oh, yes, he understands that. Quite clearly, in fact. Book of Romans, chapter 5 says, while we are yet sinners, while we are yet enemies of God, while we turned our back from him and we're doing everything in our power to do it our way and ignore him, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Does he love you? Oh, yes. Someone has coined the phrase, he has written a love letter to us. What? <laughs> a love letter? Do people do that anymore? Well, God did. <laughs> God sent this information and he says, I love you so much that I gave my son. What does that even mean, you gave your son? What does that mean? God's plan from before the foundation of the world, before he said, let there be light. Before that event, God says, I've got a plan. I've got a plan and I'm going to roll it out and I'm going to set it into motion. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit were there and they said, I'll work the plan. Jesus goes, I'll work it. Holy Spirit says, I'll document it. We'll get this plan and we'll, we'll work it together. And what's the goal, God? What's the goal of this plan? To have the people I create saved and in an everlasting relationship with me and the Son and the Holy Spirit in heaven in a place that I'm going to prepare, and I want them with me. He doesn't want you lost. This is indeed an impressive love letter from the very beginning, Genesis 1, to the very end, Revelation 22. He says, here's the document. Here's the information. The Holy Spirit documented the plan. Holy Spirit had written it all down. We don't have to memorize it all. It's kind of handy to memorize some of it, but it's like he wrote it down. Somebody, thankfully, took those ancient languages, Hebrew, Greek, translated them into our language. What a blessing that is. We take that information and we start to look at it and we start to see that it it guides us. It directs us. It gives us information that we didn't have before. Oh, sure, it's important to understand the nature of God and, and to look out at nature that he's created and all the, the wonder and the, the design and all of that. But that's limited revelation. That's just what we can see with the, with the five senses. That's just very limited. It should drive us to recognize that he exists. Oh, sure. But there needs to be more specific information. Yep. He says, I know. I wrote it down. <laughs> I had it written down. That is fantastic information. There are so many wonderful things to learn about God in the Bible. There are so many beautiful things and all the stories, all the accounts, all the events. There are some good people. There are some evil people. There's people in between. There's people that we're good once and then we're bad. And then there's people that were bad once and they were good. And there are people that were good and bad throughout their whole life. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Does that sound like you? Sounds like me. Yep. And so you know what God did? 
part of this wonderful plan is he said, I am going to create a place. I'm going to create a place, the only safe place in the world. This is really the only place that we can shelter in place and actually survive eternally. This place is called being in Christ. Hmm. That's part of the plan. What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, we become uh, part of God's family where every spiritual blessing resides, where there's no condemnation, where eternal life exists, where we have life hereafter, we have a hope after death, all of the beauty of this spirit, all these spiritual blessings. God says, I've created a place. And it's made up of individuals like you and I that have heard, that have been seekers, that have been looking and found God. Not only do we find him, when he asks us to do something, we did it. How do you know you love God? Is there a litmus test? There is. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. John 14, verse 15 plainly states it. What? I got to do something? Yep. You must obey the gospel. Because the wrath of God is coming against those who don't know God. What? They haven't been looking. They're not seekers like you. They're not looking for God. The wrath of God is coming for them and those who don't obey the gospel. What? I got to do something? Yep. You got to look for him and then you got to obey him. Once you find him and once you understand this is from God, this message is from God, there's no other explanation for it. I want to join myself to a group of people that understand that. Is there such a group? The Bible calls it the church. It's probably a bad translation. Really, it's called out of darkness, those individuals who've been called out of darkness, those who've been rescued from hell, like John Wayne going out and finding his niece. Yep, rescued. They were kidnapped. She was kidnapped, and it wasn't going to end well. We've been kidnapped. We've been kidnapped by Satan. We've been locked up. Satan threw away the key, but there's a jailbreak. Jesus came to rescue us and bring us back into a relationship with God. <laughs> He says, now, because I've done that, I want you to gather together. I want you to gather together, encourage one another. The day is coming. When God says, I want those who worship me to worship in spirit and truth. I want you to worship. I want you to gather together and encourage. I want you to sing songs to me. I want you to pray. I want you to read the scripture, be reminded of the scripture. Study the scripture. Give as you've been prospered. All those things we find in the New Testament. It's a body of people called the church. God wants you there. Why, God? It's the only safe place to be. You know, when Noah was building the ark, people must have been walking by and saying, what's that for? And Noah would reply, that's the only safe place to be when it starts raining. And they scoffed. They didn't believe him. They should have. Eight souls were saved when it started raining. 
God says, I've created this place. Since before the foundation of the world, this was the plan, and I want you in it. It's called the church. (laughs) Glory to him in the church. The church has been given a, a great responsibility and a great privilege to be the pillar and support of the truth. We have the information, we have this document, we have the Bible, and we keep looking back to it and we say, he does exist, he has communicated, and I'm going to believe him and obey him. I want to be part of that, don't you? So when we seek God, we find him in nature. And sometimes it's breathtaking, and most times it's breathtaking to see him there. We find him in our communication with him. Oh, it's going to start out weird. It's going to start out funny. You're going to feel funny when you start praying to God because like, I can't see him. Am I talking to myself? Look around the room. Yep. No, you're talking to the creator of the universe. And he communicates with you through the Bible. He'll answer those prayers. He will hear you and he will guide you into all righteousness. And then he says, there's a body of people just like you. They've been seeking just like you. They've been looking just like you. They found him. They want you to find him and they'll help you. Oh yes, the Lord's body, the church of Christ that's here on this earth, we've been given a beautiful privilege. We've been given an honor to help others get there. See, in people, God says, I'll use them for my glory. I want those individuals to show you the truth. You're looking. They want to help. And so we can find God if we put our whole heart into it. God is there, has always been, will always be. And the question then has to come to you. Are you looking for God? Are you a seeker? Are you seeking God with all your heart? I beg that you do. I I pray that you do. I I hope that you will. (laughs) Because there's something in it for you. And it's glorious. God says, I created you to save you. Jesus would say, come to me all you are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Having a tough time of it? Jesus goes, I know. Me too. (laughs) He wants you with him. Don't delay. Start today. (laughs) Start seeking him today. God bless you.